Vox Quick Hits. On this very special Quick Bites of Worldly, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network, my co-host Jen Williams talks to Senator Chris Murphy about his proposal for reorienting U.S. foreign policy towards the Middle East and Saudi Arabia specifically. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation. You're going to hear a short version of it here. If you want to listen to the bigger version, head over to Worldly, that's W-O-R-L-D-L-Y, uh, wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. So, Senator Chris Murphy, welcome to Worldly, and thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you argue that the first step in this new strategy should be for the U.S. to disengage from what you say, the GCC proxy wars with Iran, and you say specifically in Yemen, in Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria. So I kind of wanted to dig into that a little bit, because when we look at it a little closer, you know, Yemen in particular is is really kind of one of the, the places where the U.S. was actually involved in supporting specifically a GCC proxy war with Iran. But, you know, there's there's no proxy war in Lebanon that U.S. forces are engaged in. Um, you know, the, the U.S. troop presence in Iraq is mostly meant to, you know, counter ISIS. That's a counter ISIS mission. Same thing with Syria. Um, and, you know, the Biden administration has just now ended offensive support for the Saudi-led war in Yemen. So I wanted to get your thoughts kind of on where you actually see the problematic U.S. involvement in proxy wars today, right now, and kind of going forward. Sure. Well, uh, listen, I, I make the argument in this piece that we've got to right-size the relationship for today. Um, back in the 1970s and 1980s, the United States was essentially running on oil that came from the Gulf. That is simply not the case today. We um, import less oil today than we create domestically. And of the oil that we import, a really small share of that comes from the Gulf. And so we created the security guarantee for Gulf countries 40 years ago, um, when if the Gulf was under attack, then the U.S. economy would go into lockdown. Um, that just isn't the case today. We import more oil from Mexico than we import from Saudi Arabia. And so I think it's important to understand that context when I make the argument that we don't need to be as engaged in these proxy wars. The reason that we are engaged in proxy wars very often is to support GCC countries. That's why we were involved in the Saudi side of the uh, Yemen war. Um, and so the proxy wars I'm talking about are both hot wars and cold wars. Um, the hot wars are Yemen uh, and Syria, and to an extent, Libya, which is not sort of the, the same proxy war Iran against the Sunni nations in Libya. It's much more confusing. Uh, and, you know, a cold, an example of a cold war would be either um, uh, Lebanon or Iraq, which is both hot and cold at times. Um, and to me, A, it just doesn't matter as much as people would think to the United States, whether one side or the other ultimately wins the contest for regional hegemony in the Middle East, the Turks or the Saudis or the Iranians. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter as much as it did 40 years ago. Um, but second, you know, we have all sorts of experience uh, since the Iraq war about the efficacy of U.S. military involvement in the region. And what we have found is that our presence there um, often draws 
extremists into the region often becomes recruiting material for groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS. And so the deeper we're involved in these proxy wars, I, I think the longer they sometimes last because U.S. presence is escalatory, not de-escalatory. Uh, and again, I'm just not sure that we have the interests we used to have when it comes to, you know, whether the Saudis or the Iranians win. Sure. So and, and in particular, you know, um, when it comes to Syria and Iraq, um, you know, as I said, a, a lot of that is mostly just focused on the counter ISIS mission. Is that something that you still think the U.S. should be actively engaged in? Or do you think that, that the Biden administration or, you know, future administrations, do you think we should pull back on that in particular or reduce troop levels? How do you see that kind of conflict? Well, listen, I think we still have to be involved in the fight against ISIS. And part of my argument is that we should get out of Yemen because ISIS has been getting stronger over the years as the Yemen civil war has persisted. And so I think there are actions we're taking in the region um, that is, frankly, expanding uh, the efforts of ISIS um, or aiding their recruitment efforts. I think inside Syria, um, our actions, by and large, extended that civil war, which, again, gave operating space to ISIS. So um, I, I think if we are taking the fight directly to ISIS, um, I, I think that's a worthy endeavor. I don't think it's actually presently authorized by Congress. So I don't think the administration can pursue those efforts without coming to Congress and getting an updated war authorization. It's all the other fights that we've been involved in against Bashar al-Assad, against the Houthis, um, that I don't believe are in U.S. national security interests. I don't believe are authorized by Congress. Uh, and I would argue that the Biden administration should look to end. Got it. Um, so uh, another one of the the planks of your, your strategy, um, you say that U.S. should basically stop selling offensive weapons and military equipment to the GCC countries. Um, but you do say for sure that we should continue and perhaps, you know, uh, increase selling defensive capabilities, defensive weapons to those countries. Um, and I, I know you've addressed this uh, in the piece briefly, uh, and in I, I saw you speak uh, recently on, on, on this argument at uh, one of the think tank events. I'm not sure which one. I don't remember, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but, you know, the main argument against that, as you acknowledge, um, you know, would be that those countries would simply turn to Russia and China for those offensive weapons if the U.S. were to cut it off. So, so what is your response to that argument kind of more broadly? Well, first of all, I mean, I am comfortable selling defensive weapons to our allies, but under, only under certain circumstances. I mean, I just don't think we should be in the business of selling major offensive systems to countries like Saudi Arabia and UAE that are actively using them in theaters that uh, where hostilities don't accrue to the benefit of the United States or transferring those weapons to really bad actors. UAE, for instance, has a history of sending you know, both offensive and defensive weapons uh, into Libya uh, and to uh, very dangerous extremist militias inside Yemen. Um, but I, to the extent that I am comfortable down the road sending defensive systems, um, I, I do think that we you know, have to understand uh, that this is a bit of a red herring, that um, if we're not in the business of selling offensive weapons, the Chinese or the Russians will fill the void. First of all, there's no substitute for the capability of U.S. systems, and it would be a massive project for any of our Gulf partners to essentially reorient their defensive posture or their offensive posture so as to integrate Russian systems. Russian systems aren't as good, and it would be wildly expensive um, to bring them in. Second, 
Russia's going to be um, a tooth and nail competitor uh, to the Gulf uh, as oil revenues continue to decline. Uh, and all of a sudden, the Russians and the Gulf nations are scrambling to try to um, gather up as big a share of the declining world oil market as they can. Um, I don't know that you want to be in business with your primary economic competitor um, when it comes to your own nation's security. And the Chinese, um, they are just not interested in getting involved in security guarantees in the Middle East. Maybe they will be, 30 or 40 years from now, but right now they want to be economic partners. The Chinese Navy is not coming to the defense of Saudi Arabia uh, anytime soon. So I just don't think any of those countries are going to get the kind of security partnership offers from the Chinese that you know some of the sky will fall um, folks suggest if the United States pulls back. So my, my, my uh, case here is that we can afford to drive a harder bargain. Um, even when it comes to defensive weapons, because I just don't believe these countries are going to um, say, hey, we're not going to uh, make civil, uh, domestic, political reforms because we're very comfortable with um, weaning ourselves off of U.S. security assistance and turning to Russia. I just don't think that's going to happen. 